in a matchup between the top team in the Eastern Conference, the second top team in the Western Conference, on a Wednesday matinee game, 4 p.m. Arizona start time, Suns win, Matthew. Suns win. They do. <laughs> what a Pretty game, man. What right? a game. And now I was just telling you, I'm like, I saw the final score by accident in the box score because I'm a little delayed. So I'm like, oh, Suns won by three. I didn't know that ball went in and out from full court by Embiid. Amazing, right? I mean, if he makes that shot, do you think he wins MVP? He has to win it. <laughs> if he makes that shot to tie the game, he wins MVP. Throw out everything I said about the whole race. He wins it with that one. Well, I mean, you'd have to see because they didn't really show whether or not he released the ball before the shot clock expired or the game clock expired. But still, the fact that that thing nearly went in, like I Jalen Hurts is a nice quarterback that they have there mm-hmm. for the Philadelphia Eagles. But maybe Joel Embiid can pop in there for a couple plays and run some wildcat shit and throw bombs because, I mean, that thing <laughs> spun out, man. Like, what an impressive ending to a fun game to watch. Yeah, and honestly, if he's going to play quarterback, you know, he can relax his knees, right? He wouldn't have any knee trouble playing quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles behind that uh, offensive line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he wouldn't. So, uh, but a, a fun game for the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, we are now two and zero on the Eastern Conference road trip. As we mentioned, coming into this five game road trip with two games after that against the top two teams outside of the Suns in the Western Conference. This is a very important stretch for Phoenix. And to have them start this road trip 2-0, and I think, did we even talk about, I, you know, I think 3-2 and two on this road trip is three a good number, two. right? Yeah, yeah. We said 3-2. and two. I think that would be, be exceptional. You already got 2-0 and oh against two top teams. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see how they finish it out, though. <laughs> exactly. A, a, a great game to watch, a great game to enjoy, and another victory for your 42-16 and 16 Phoenix Suns. So welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast, Jamsters. We appreciate you taking the time and joining us if you are listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network or watching along live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. You can follow the show at Suns Jam. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe and smash that thumbs up button while you're here. You can become an elite jamster by clicking the join button or by following the link in the description. And feel free to donate to the show via the super chat so Matthew can use it to buy some new hats. He's only got two Suns hats. We need him to get three. three. Yes, it'd three. be nice. You have three? Yeah, this one and the two behind me right there. Oh, Something yeah, look that. at that. Oh, yeah, yeah. look at that. I like how you do that. It's very fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you subscribe, rate, review via the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network if that's where you're listening, and you're going to get all your fa- your favorite Phoenix Suns content there. Leave a five-star review with a message on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it right here on the pod. You can email the show, sunsjamsession at gmail.com. And last but not least... It's only 6.30, which is so weird. Like, normally, we're just getting ready to start yeah, watching the Suns game. Early. It's time to pop a beer already, man. Yeah, let's pop one open. All this, right. one deserves, this East Coast road trip deserves a beer. Thank Every you. after the game by me. I like this, Matthew. Yeah. I, you're a new change, I'm a change man. man. I'm a change for the better. Well, see what happens when you donate to the, the Super Chat? Matthew can actually <laughs> buy beer. It's fantastic. One beer so. at a time. Yep. Pop, pop them <laughs> if you got them, Suns fans. All right, let's talk about yet another victory over the Philadelphia 76ers.
The Phoenix Suns win an exciting game against the Philadelphia 76ers by a score of 116 to 113. It's the second time this season that they have beat the Philadelphia 76ers, just like the Milwaukee Bucks. We're now 4-0 against those two teams combined. Mm -hmm. But as you come into this game, I've got to ask a question that one of our elite jamsters, uh, Ernesto Quintero, asks. What's up with teams sitting their starters, man? No Seth Curry, no Ben Simmons in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's an extended rest for injuries, right? They might be injuries. They might be illnesses. Who knows? You know what, though? I don't blame them for doing it this season. This is the one season I'll allow it, okay? And I'm looking forward to the playoffs. A lot of the Suns fans right now are kind of just looking forward to the playoffs, right? We're trying to get these games over with. But there's still some crucial games like the last two we just played. So you want to get over those and through this road trip. And then maybe the Suns might be able to rest some guys. Who knows? I'm just saying I don't want them to, but maybe they'll get some rest. That's all this is. I mean, if... There's a lingering injury like James Harden, a setback. Really, is there a setback to square one, or else does he just need more rest? Because he knows they probably only need six games to get together and get things back in order. Um, if you look at it that way, then I'm fine with it. Really, it does suck for fans right now. Of course, in the in the in the stadiums or in the arenas, there's no fans really there to watch. So you don't really worry about that too much. But right now, watching the game, of course, I was up for this. I wanted the matchups. But mm-hmm. I wasn't too let down because I know the 76 are still well coached. They still have a good bench and it's still going to be a very, very feisty matchup. But for the starters to be rested, I'm not too against. It. Are you? I mean, is this a big deal to you or everybody else? No, I mean, you know, as, as uh, Jonathan Gallardo says in the chat, he's like, they were hurt, you know, so this wasn't necessarily rest, although you don't know how much of the rest is really. Uh, applicable to injuries or whatnot. You know, I mean, Abdel Nader has been hurt for 40 fucking games now, it seems like. How hurt is he really? Or is it just kind of, you know, they don't have a place for him right now, so they're just saying that in an effort to try to avoid some post-game questions relative to rotations and things of that nature. We don't we don't mm-hmm. truly know. Uh, but it is just another game in which the Suns are playing a team that's not at full strength. So even though we walk away with a victory, which is the most important thing, that's the most important thing. The Suns win, okay? 42 and 16. Every game matters. Every matchup matters. But as you walk away and you engage with fans on Twitter, especially those who are of the opposing fan base, it's just it's frustrating, just like the Bucks game. The Bucks game, if you talk to any Bucks fans afterwards, they're like, yeah, the refs bailed you out. It's like, well, hold on. Mm-hmm. The Suns have been crucified by the refs at multiple times this season. So I don't want to hear that argument. But when you play the Lakers and you play all these other teams who are sitting players or they're out with injury, it's still when you engage those fans, like, yeah, you know, good game. And they'll kind of be like, yeah, well, we weren't at our best. It's like, well, no one's other than the Suns, really. No one's at their best. No, not really. I mean, we we kind of suffered a little bit of an injury today with Jay Crowder. And, you know, all you heard this offseason was the Suns can't win if Crowder gets hurt. But we did tonight. That's just, that never happened. But you know, the Suns, of course, will have their. That's why it sucks. Kind of talking about it is because you don't want to talk about it and something happening. You blame it on ourselves exactly. for jinxing them. So I'm just I'm I'm happy we won. So there's not really a lot of excuses. You can blame the refs, the injuries, whatever. Getting through this season win by win is the only way you can really go about it. Don't look at the starting lineups. Don't look at the rosters. Really going into these games, of course they will, but. I don't pay too much attention to it now just because I'm just so used to it, right? We should all just be used to it until we get to the playoffs and everybody will be, oh, I'm ready to go. And I think like five or six games before, they'll be ready to go. So 
Until then, if they're actually sitting towards the end of the season, I wouldn't be too upset. Yeah, I'm not upset in any way, shape, or form. It's just an oddity. It's something that I've noticed numerous times, and I'm almost at the point where I want to sit and put together a piece for brightsideofthesun.com analyzing what percentage of total uh, oh, rosters... Oh, before you do that, I'm actually submitting something about injuries, but it's a little baby article, so you can feed okay. off of that if you'd like. Well, I'm literally thinking of there. going game by game and seeing what total percent of the payroll the Suns are facing. Because if you okay. go against the Lakers and there's no AD and no LeBron, you're facing like 58% of their payroll. So if I do it in that oh, fashion, it'd be there interesting to see what those statistics are. Uh, shout different. out to Coda Kid, $10 in the super chat. That Thank helps you. Matthew get a new hat. He's given never so close to hat number four. Hat number four. Mm -hmm. here. Hat so, number four. Did you think when you were coming into this game, even though there was no Simmons, did you expect this level of physicality? Because I really feel like it was a physical game. And it the was, referees yeah. were calling it that way, given the number of technical fouls they were calling. Yeah, so how many fouls did they <clears> – <throat> let me see that they actually had. <clears throat> let me see. So 21 – excuse me while I clear my voice on air. Um, so it Total five off, technical fouls, four on the five, Sixers yeah, and one on the Suns. It was crazy, but honestly, I thought maybe in the first quarter they were kind of letting them go at it, so maybe that was something to do with it. But then you had the Javon Carter, and uh, who was he pushing off against that one time they called George the double Hill. George Hill, and it was just a push off. Like you see that so many times down the floor. They just push off of each other, get spacing, and that was a technical. So I don't know if there's something built up before that, but it was a very physical. And that's what I thought going into this game against the 76ers. You forget about Thibel, how great he is. And we'll talk about how oh, man. Booker just gave him, like, he's like, you know, a lot of respect, dude, because three blocks against him. It was impossible to shoot over him. So you saw Book have a little smirk after one of those. It's kind of like, all right, all right, I'll give you your he's respect. Like, he's I like, can't do anything son. against you. It's like somebody else helped me out. Someone else needs to shoot. So I started sharing the ball. But the way these refs approach the game, I think just early on, they weren't calling too much. So it was more physical towards the end. And that's when you got the text. That's when you got more of the fouls. But I kind of liked it in the beginning. Just let them play. But it's two physical teams, dude. And that's weird to say. But the Suns, yeah, this year are so physical. They'll match up with a team like the Sixers, who they can go head to head with physicality. How Does fun that make is any it, sense? Though? Physicality? No, abs absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the physicality in which they played mm -hmm. is something that is different and foreign to us. Okay. It's, you know, we're used to. Phoenix Suns teams of old, not really having a, a huge defensive presence. You go back to the seven seconds or less era, it's finesse and speed and shooting that are going to beat you. You go back yeah. to like the Barkley era, it was the same thing. You know, they played with a uh, upbeat, fast paced uh, system. You had Barkley down low on the, on the blocks and, uh, you know, uh, Mark West and Oliver Miller, but it wasn't a team that you're like, oh man, they're going to push you around. They weren't the, they weren't the Pistons, but you look at the Suns this year. And that's who they are. That's their identity is the fact that we play defense and we have the ability to be physical. And, you know, I think in the past few games, the Suns have played more athletic teams and they haven't been as physical because they've kind of tried to, you know, have to defend them. But when mm -hmm. you go against Joel Embiid, who is a monster, dude, he is a monster. You know, I, yeah. he was my preseason jammy pick to get the MVP award. Uh, and I think that, you know, what he's yeah. been doing this season has had he played enough games. I mean, he is the best player in the NBA on both ends of the floor. So he's just, you know, I think the best way I wrote in my notes, you know, while I'm watching him, I'm like, he's Shaq-esque with his size. He's got those broad shoulders. His inside, inside game is like Shaq. He could push you, throw you around. I mean, there's nothing, no stopping him. And his mid-grain game is like Dirk itch. 
you know, yeah. a, a, a Dirk ish, if you will. And now uh, apparently his uh, his full court toss the ball into the rim basket. You know, that's it's like he's like Joe Montana, too. I mean, yeah. the guy's unfucking believable, man. No, he dude, he totally is. And really quick shout out to Barry Jackson. Barry Buy another Jackson. hat. Buy another hat. A Cowboys hat. So thanks a lot, dude. I'm just and Frederick Winslow Cowboys. also threw down five bucks. Yeah. We're going to get you that hat, Matthew. A couple, couple of big hats over here. Maybe a cowboy hat, like a real cowboy hat, not the Dallas Cowboys. But. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Sun's logo on the on the top. Yeah, exactly. Um, but back to Embiid, dude. He is a monster. DeAndre Ayton looks like a baby tooth compared to what he looks and DeAndre's like. DeAndre's huge. He is, man. And it's just like, do you think DeAndre might grow into that? But I think Embiid's always been so big, but he's he's gotten in shape this year, man. That's one thing where, where you're watching him in the first half and you're just like, all right, he's getting tired. He looks like he's getting tired. Maybe Aiden could take advantage of it, but it's like, no, this year is just totally different. Even coming off an injury, he has that energy. He has the momentum going into the fourth quarter still to where he can just take over the game. That's what he does. And you just, you look at him, you're like, come on, just like get tired. Kind of like when you watch Shaq, like, can't you get tired? But Shaq would just sit there and do the same thing over and over again. And B just does so much, even like that fadeaway three to cut the lead to three points, or I think two points towards the end. And uh, it's yeah, just it was it's, insane. Like yeah, I know this guy's seven foot, him. seven foot one, like 300 pounds. And he's hitting one footed fadeaway three pointers with Booker draped all over him. And he like, he is just like Giannis is a cheat code. Embiid is a cheat code as well. He is, and I hope he stays healthy. When he got hurt again, it's like it's kind of like you don't like to see any of these guys get hurt, but especially in beat over in the East, so we don't have to worry about him too much. You know what I mean? Like if he does get hurt, it sucks. But like if you're if you're a fan of the team in the East, and it's like okay, maybe you have a chance this year because you have to go through the 76ers because it looks like Brooklyn might have more injuries. I mean, we talked about earlier with Harden, mm -hmm. but the way the Sixers have been playing this year, I don't care who you have on the other side of the court, they're so in sync. That team is just so well like balanced defensively offensively they're just unstoppable in so many ways including Embiid who would be the MVP if he didn't get hurt and who knows he might still win it depending on what happens to Jokic and what True. their record does the rest of the year and who knows maybe even Chris Paul might take that because Chris Paul went to head to head with these 76ers and whooped some ass tonight he he was dominant, dude. Yes. He held the Suns in so many ways, of course. But when the games matter, just like DeAndre, and he gets up. And like when he gets up, dude, it's like superstar mode. And he'll take over the game for the Suns when he needs to. And again, that's what's the advantage of this year over last year is you just have another closer. And I think about that a lot when I watch these games. And I think about Ricky Rubio last year and how much we love Ricky and what he did for this team. And Chris Paul is just on such another level. Uh, I'll get to that here in a bit. It looks like Mario yeah. Lopez says in the chat that Trey Trey Young looks like oh he got hurt gosh. now. Well, I know that you know our, the, our right. thoughts segment at the end of this of uh, this podcast. We're going to discuss injuries in the NBA because it is getting kind of ridiculous. But uh, uh, hoping that there's no merit to that, and maybe he just kind of uh, twisted an ankle like Donovan Mitchell. You know, Donovan Mitchell went down to twist yeah. his ankle. Uh, everybody instantly, you know, was throwing up prayers for him. Then you watch the highlight and you're like, okay, it looks like he's going to be okay. It's still, you don't want to see that, but it's only going to no. be seven games. It's not a season ender. Like unfortunately Jamal Murray. Um, yeah. but again, coming back to the Sixers game, it started off kind of slow for the Suns. They were down 15, five right off the bat. Uh, they appeared to be focused on the defensive end rather than executing on offense. And then Monty called a timeout. It was kind of a poppy Vichian timeout, if you will, because the Suns came out 10 0 run. Uh, and even with Simmons out, this is a good defensive team. You know, they have that wing depth. That is something that, you know, I, the Sixers are a team I really like, and I've liked for a few years because I really like how they've built their team. They have 
Joel Embiid, who is, again, a cheat code, uh, but just a big man inside. And then you have Ben Simmons, who's a defensive player running the show. And then you just surround them with wings and shooters. And I really like how they've developed that team. Injuries have stopped them in the past. Uh, so they've run into Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors in a game seven, stopped them in the past. But they're a team that I really like. And when the Suns play against them, it's a team that, you know, I'm excited to play because I feel like the Suns have kind of done the same thing. DeAndre Ayton obviously isn't at the yep. level of Joel Embiid yet. I wouldn't say that he's going to get to that level scoring, but defensively, absolutely, I think he's right up there. Um, but you you couple that with the fact that the Suns have so many wing players, and it, it made for a really intriguing matchup. Uh, and then, of course, you have Matisse Thibel. And Matisse Thibel is somebody who I absolutely love uh, coming uh, out of, I believe he went to the University of Washington, if I'm not mistaken. Jamsters in the chat could probably correct me there if I'm wrong. Um, but just lengthy. He, remind, he, he reminds me of Mikhail Bridges. He reminds me of Mikhail Bridges, mm. you know. I think Mikhail has a better offensive game, but he's long He's and, and he's very technically sound relative to trying to stop blocks. You know, he's, he's not fouling guys. He's just blocking guys. And man, I haven't seen somebody lock up uh, Devin Booker like that in quite some time. No, it's been a while. It looked like Devin Booker was a rookie out there against him, dude. Honestly, yeah. what Thibault brought, especially the bubble with his little um, videos and stuff, it really brought him out and people got to see like how who he is. I mean, on the court, maybe, but just his personality and stuff was really cool. Those videos were pretty epic. But defensively, he was definitely a steal for the Sixers in the draft. They missed out, of course, on Mikhail Bridges, but Thibault kind of makes it up. Thibault is that guy. Defensively, mm -hmm. he is an all-defensive guy. He is just a defensive expert who, um, of course, I don't know if he'll evolve it to have an offensive game, but it doesn't even matter. The way he plays against a superstar, especially, is just you can't beat that, man. You can't replace that. So to have him come in, especially when Ben Simmons is out, so maybe what sucks is like next time if we play the Sixers in the championship, oh, that's going to suck. That's going to be awesome. But <laughs> if they, awesome. we do, <laughs> you know, it's like now they have Thibel to play Booker, and then maybe Ben Simmons can guard someone else. So that sucks a lot because Ben Simmons yes. might be defensive player of the year. So, I mean, it's endless with this team. And it's funny because going into the season, you know, it was a lot of talk, of course, a trade between James Harden and Ben Simmons. And if you listen to anybody, uh, well, at the ringer, they're like, that was going to go through. And it's kind of nuts because I've always been a big Ben Simmons fan. And I think he fit really well next to Embiid. And he's seven foot tall almost. So it's really fun to watch. But it's really put to, it's it's a team that's put together well. And I think with James Harden, maybe it would have been a little bit different. But they have that chemistry that people forget about. Just like you mentioned with the Raptors series two years ago. So, of course, they're going to get it back together. They're going to, as long as they're in shape, as long as Embiid's in shape, this team is like fully rostered, one of the best teams in the league. And it just shows tonight, even without two of their main starters. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, if we were to play them in the NBA championship, it'd be fantastic. And oh, yeah. It would be, be two, it would be two defensive teams. I mean, if mm -hmm. you put Ben Simmons on CP3 and Matisse Thibel on, uh, Devin Booker, I mean, that's worth the price of admission, man. That's Seth Curry coming off the bench, which is scary. You know, I mean, because Seth Surrey's been getting a lot of starts there. And yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, this Philadelphia team is just, you know, there's a reason that they're the, the top team in the Eastern Conference is because they can play both sides of the ball. Uh, the Suns, yeah. they, they can too, you know, and, and they pull out the victory. You know, I was mentioning to you right before we came on live, you know, the Suns scored 39 points in the fourth quarter against this defensive team. Now, granted, they gave up 37 but still, like it was such a mono e mono kind of fourth quarter in which Chris Paul stepped up and just said, "You know what? Like we're winning this game, guys." And it's it's his leadership. You know, he he's hitting those huge threes, yeah. which I got to say, like for me personally, 
he's in that Steve Nash realm of personal confidence when he takes a three ball. Like Steve Nash didn't shoot a ton of threes, but he always shot him late in the fourth quarter in overtime. And when he would take a three, you just had a level of confidence personally that you're like, that's going in because he's a meticulous executor of an offense. He's a step ahead of you. And if he's taking his shot, he knows that that is his best opportunity in that offensive playset for this team to be successful. And Chris Paul has a lot of that. I mean, I think he missed one three, but every other time it's just like, Knockdown, knockdown, knockdown. Mm-hmm. And then there was a bad foul in which Mikhail Bridges fouled George Hill. And like a college team, he pulls everybody in. He's like, no, no, get in here, guys. We're huddling up in, in the middle of the court, and we're talking about what just happened. I'm going to talk about that rotation that you guys were late to. And instead of fouling the guy, this is what we could have done. I mean, instant coaching for these young guys that they're going to carry with them the rest of their NBA careers, whether it keeps them on the Suns or not. He is – I know he makes $44 million. He's invaluable. He really is. And honestly, when you talk about Steve Nash, the one bad thing we talk about with him is he should have shot more. And now you're seeing that with like Steph Steph Curry this year where he's just shooting unlimited threes, trying to get his team in the playoffs, which they should. It's kind of like the Zion effect. It's like give Zion the ball, let him do as much as he can on the court because he's unstoppable. So it's kind of funny because... Steve Nash, that was the one thing. It's like he should have shot more threes. He should have shot more just in general because he was so efficient. So it's like Chris Paul this year, we really haven't gotten, of course, like every week, like a game where he just is unstoppable. He can be. And when he limited time, he is. But it's like I feel like he's he's kind of rearing himself up for like the end of the season, the playoffs, where he is almost just unstoppable in the way of jump shooting. Like you said, the three. Uh, finding everybody, getting those assists up, doing what he does best. But it's like we haven't seen the max out of him yet. Like he's hiding it. Like, you know what I mean? And we're still just so pleased. He's in the play. He's in the MVP race. He is. He'll be a top five guy this year for sure. And he's it's well-deserved. And I think I think if you put up more games like this, he would probably be MVP first, but he doesn't have to. He really doesn't have to. We've never been upset about it because he will fill that void when we need it. When we need the scoring and we need the playmaking, he steps up and does it. So it's it's so interesting to see how he's going to play in the playoffs and how many points he might lead the team in points in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Because he'll just be that relied upon going if into the playoffs. If he needs to. If That's he needs the to great be. thing about it. You know, yeah, if nothing's he asked. needs to. He'll do it. He knows what it's what it takes. I wouldn't say necessarily to win because he hasn't gotten to that point yet in his career to where he has won, but he is so experienced and has such utter control of the game. It's just it's so much fun to watch. Uh, you look at his stat line tonight, 28 points, eight assists, three rebounds, one block for Chris Paul, and he had my favorite shooting <laughs> night, which is 10 for 17 from the field. That's your birthday, isn't it? That's my birthday, 10 to 17. Bless you, John. Bless him. And then uh, the real legend in the chat uh, threw down five bucks. He says, you can't spell Philadelphia without two L's. That's fantastic. The real legend X. Uh, Paul is a bad man. Keep up the great work, boy. No, we appreciate it. The the Jamsters are why we do this, man. This is so much fun to do, especially after... Another <laughs> Especially win. after another win, man. I mean, this team Spoiled. is just fa- fantastic. Uh, I see some of the Jamsters are mentioning Javon Carter. You cannot talk about this game without talking yeah. about Javon Carter's performance in the fourth quarter. You want to walk us through that, Matthew? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it started with that one turnover, right? The one turnover he had where he should have shot the three and then he drove it and just threw the ball away. Just threw it away. After, and then after that, he makes three in a row. He is really the reason in the fourth quarter, along with Chris Paul, that helped us get that extended lead that we were just searching for. And I feel like a lot of these games for the Suns, they are just so close all the time. The Suns are just always searching for a way to like push themselves 
away from this team. And uh, Javon Carter helped. I mean, he sat in the corner. I think all the Suns made all their threes from the corner, right? Mikhail yeah, Bridges. Felt like it's just it's smart, right? EJ, it's a, it's a it's the shortest three, so just sit yourself over there and just jack them up because it's going to probably go one, especially for Javon Carter's three threes are the really the reason why the Suns pulled it together and they got the win tonight because it just extended that lead dude it was something that we're just searching for and he he answered because he was just he knows after that turnover i'm sure he's like everyone's probably just saying like i should have been confident just shot the ball like always because you've been playing so well from three and then he did it the next three times so he fixed this mistake quickly played some huge minutes for the suns having him and Chris Paul might share a jammy or jam jam star award tonight. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, he awesome man. Because you don't have to tell him twice, dude. I don't think. I think someone might have said something from the bench, like shoot the fucking ball, and then he did. Yeah, I mean, that's what's made Javon Carter play at the level that he's played at for these past few games is the fact that Monty Williams said, "Hey, bro, just shoot." Like mm-hmm. you got this, you know, stop being hesitant. And it's almost, I was a few games back where he had the shot where he sat there and you could see him think about it. And then he passed out of it. And then they passed it back to him and he thought about it and he passed out of it again. It's like, ever since that point, Monty Williams is like, dude, pull the trigger when you get the ball. And as you mentioned, you know, he had that performance tonight where he had the ball wide open shot, didn't have the confidence, drove, turned the ball over. And to see him score those threes is absolutely huge because campaign wasn't having it tonight. It just wasn't a good campaign night. He ended the night with only three points and he had two turnovers and it felt like he had a lot more turnovers. I think some of some of them just ended up kind of touched out of bounds, but yeah. it just wasn't a solid night for campaign. And you saw that he only played 14 minutes because of that. But you, you know, you need campaign or Carter to hit in order for this bench team to be successful. And you know, those nine points all came in the fourth quarter right when the Suns needed it. I mean, if we can go back and forth with a team like the Philadelphia 76ers and not get much production out of campaign or Javon Carter going into the fourth, and they have an opportunity, I love that they have the ability and the confidence to go ahead and and hit those shots. Oh yeah, me too. And I, I think campaign, he just he lacked that confidence in some of his decision making. It was kind of frustrating. It's just like, come on, especially against the seventy sixers, you got to make up your mind quick because those those lanes fill quickly. Like there's bodies on you quickly wherever you go on the court. So there's just some hesitancy in his game tonight that really cost him. That was a thing. But then he had some big shots. I mean, mm-hmm. a little bit. So I mean, he he's gonna have those games once in a while, but he's more consistent than nothing. I think most of the well, time. And and you look on the other side of the court, and you look at their backup point guard, and that's uh, Tyrese Maxey, 14 points, five from 11 shooting. Yeah. What do you think of this rookie man? Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Do you remember if we liked this guy on the draft thing? Because I remember looking him up and just talking about him on the podcast. But I can't remember if we liked him or not. What, what I remember he about amazing man. What what I remember about Tyrese Maxey, uh, you know, from Kentucky rookie. I remember when we went through and we were doing a lot of our draft prep, and we were talking about it on right here on the Suns Jam Session podcast. I think the problem with Tyrese Maxey was the fact that he just we weren't going to take him at ten. There were too many other potentially good guards in that point range that we were like, okay, well, we're not going to take this guy. He looks like he's good. He's got some skill. He's got the ability to score the ball, but he's yeah. not someone we're targeting because there were the Killian Hayes and the Tyrese Halliburtons and the other guards out there. Uh, Desmond Bain was another one who mm-hmm. all were a front of uh, Tyrese Maxey, but he's a guy who's a great example of one of those players who in the draft are going to play well because they're ending up in good situations. And it's going to be interesting, and I know we're way ahead of ourselves, but as we turn our eyes towards the 2021 NBA draft, whoever the Suns bring in via the draft is going to be somebody who is 
going to be brought into a good situation. You're not going to be bringing somebody in with the expectation that they're going to carry your franchise, you know, from a starting standpoint. You're not, but you're going to get a quality mm-hmm. player who's going to have potentially the ability to contribute from the bench. And, you know, Tyrese Maxey, that's what I was thinking when I saw him tonight. I'm like, next year we could get our, our version of Tyrese Maxey. That would be nice because he filled the role pretty well. Like him and Embiid were talking and stuff, trying to figure things out. But there was a lot of those guards this year in the draft where they would just get so, they're so quick to the rim. Like they're kind of just unstoppable already. So it's like that next playmaking ability for him. But he had a few shots over DA and stuff where, and over Dario, of course. I mean, I think he dunked on Dario five times tonight, but (laughs) he was getting by him. He was doing whatever he wanted against Dario in that second team unit. Um, but he was very fun to watch and I was just like very surprised. I haven't got to see him a lot this year. So it's a nice addition for them. And like you said, the Suns might have that guy next year who can just come in, you know, fill those, fill those minutes where they're needed. And he's already at a professional high elite, like IQ, you know, like what James Jones likes. So we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll have that guy next year. That'd be awesome. We shall see. The Sarge smoke break. Oh, the SARS smoke break. I'll tell you yeah. what, he took a smoke break out there today, man. You know, when I saw that Dario was coming in and was going to be matched up against Dwight Howard, that's obviously not the best matchup for Saric. Uh Early on, he had a volleyball bump rebound. He ended the night with how many total rebounds did he end? He got one rebound. One rebound. <laughs> Seven points, three assists, one rebound, three for three from the free throw line, 0 for two from deep, and two for four from the field, and five personal fouls. So mm-hmm. one rebound he had, he just he's outmatched by Dwight Howard. He just kind of bumps the ball backwards. It comes off the backboard, and somebody else gets it. But uh, another – just another – Dario night, man. It's That's it's tough to talk about. It sucks. Ever since we gener- we created this segment, he hasn't played mm-hmm. well. Maybe we're the problem. He hasn't. No, we lost him. And honestly, like tonight, I I almost wrote Dario versus <laughs> Dwight Howard tonight as a matchup to watch. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> so I'm just like, I don't know. He's just becoming a reliability really on the defensive end. He doesn't do much really right now. He's so he's so wide open now from three to where it's just like don't even take it. And then it's just like, well maybe take it to the rim, but there's no confidence there either. He'll just lose the ball. Anytime he tries to make a move towards the basket, he he loses the ball. And I think Craig hit him on a really nice pass today. That was, you know, a little go. Uh, and he got the end one, which was really nice. But it's like, what mm-hmm. else can we do with him right now? Plus, he's not a center. He's just, he's not a backup center. It's just, he's playing maybe a position that's just not for him. So I just, I don't know. I think we're really lost with this. It's like a Twilight Zone segment, really, for Dario Saric. Well, and you know, the reason we call it the smoke break is because there's always one Dario play a game in which it appears that mentally he's hanging out behind a circle K having a parliament light or something. So if you're new to the show and you're like, why do they call it a smoke break? One, we talk about his big Dario cigarette butt because he's got a big ass and he likes to throw that thing around. But two, sometimes he just makes boneheaded plays. And that happened at the end of the first quarter where like time's running out. They're passing the ball around. He's got an open three. And like time's about to expire, and he passes it. It's like, man, and I was like, Dario, god damn it, Dario. And as Lace, Lace <laughs> yeah. Bacon says in the chat, he's like, Sarge was smoking them hundred, hundreds tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. When I was in the army, mm-hmm. we used to call those Cadillacs, man. He was mm-hmm. smoking them Cadillacs. And, you know, uh, as Ali asks, you know, why is Frank not getting any minutes? At some point, we're going to have to see Frank Kaminsky before the season ends again, right? 
I think so. And you hit on it pretty much like I think five podcasts ago. If you go back, you listen to John Voida over here. He talked about this is probably the lineup. No one else is really going to come in. We might not see even Langston Galloway. And it's probably true. But then now that Dario is playing the way he is, maybe we'll see some more Frank. Maybe if Dario keeps us up, he was throwing the starting lineup last game. Didn't help him at all. Jay Crowder's just like, here, take my spot. Maybe give you some energy. Didn't work. So there, I don't know what else you could do with him right now, but just replacing him with, with Frank once in a while, it would be nice to see. I mean, we what did Frank really do to play himself out of the lineup? There's a lot of these he had, guys. He got COVID. He got oh, COVID and he was out. That's a good reason. That's a that's good a reason. That's a pretty good reason. So, uh, but why is he not come back? Anyways, exactly. That's the real why question right there. Back? I don't know. Well, and, and, and here's what's impressive, and here's what I'm starting to notice a little bit more, is the fact that even though Tory Craig – carries himself at a mere what six foot seven 221 pounds he's yes. playing bigger than dario he was defending Embiid in this game he was defending uh dwight howard in this game and mm-hmm. he's playing bigger than he is and you know the, the time has come where we got to give tory craig a nickname man i mean yes. this guy the way that he plays is just out of this world, he he brings that energy. He we we mentioned the last podcast. He rips. He doesn't grab a rebound. He rips that rebound down. He plays defense. He, he knocks the ball around. He hits the threes that Dario's not hitting. So, you know, if you're watching along live, go ahead, Jamsters. Let us know what you think we should give Tory Craig's nickname. We've tried to come up with a few. I found one that I really really like. Okay, uh, Matt, do you first. want? Okay, you we'll, we'll we'll just start with some of them, and uh, I do have some from our loyal listeners on Twitter okay. who also t- uh, chimed in as I mentioned that we were going to ha- have this segment on the podcast today. Um, but the first one I thought was Glory Craig because it rhymes with Tory, but then it sounds like Glory Hole, so I don't think that works. <laughs> no, thanks. So, no, no Glory Tory? Tory the Glorious? Um, I don't think so, no. Tories, okay. okay. I don't like hit, that one, sorry. Hit me with one. All right, so the only one I came up with, because it's very, very difficult, and I kind of like this one a lot. It's very... Uh, so basically, he's a gift to us, right? Who gives out the best gifts santa claus so tori chris tori chris krangle that's my nickname tori chris krangle you can't even say it tori chris krangle i can't say a lot of things craig krangle okay i see what you're trying there yeah i see what you're trying there okay chris krangle uh i've said the plague before you know craig the plague you've been infected but I yeah. don't know if infections are something that everybody's really into right now. We're, we live in a COVID-19 world. The only one wants to hear the word infected. Yeah. What else you got? That's all I have. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll, Tori, I'll Tori the peg. <laughs> Trying to fit a square peg into a whole circle hole. I don't even know, man. This is difficult. I can't think of anything. All right. I got hustle and woe. Hustle, hustle and, and woe. Flow, just because okay. he hustles. He's like, he's, he's yeah, that he energy guy who, who's bringing it. So uh, let's see. A couple people in the chat. Uh, someone on... Twitter said snatch as a nickname. I think that's funny. That's and funny. I, I kind of like that. And it, but it always reminds me of that movie with Brad Pitt where like, yeah, the fucking dags. Yeah, man, man, you can't understand what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Torrid Craig, Torrid Tory. We got Craigslist. Um, I think uh, the Phoenix fans app, they actually replied with Craigslist as well. Uh, okay. Terry Craig from Ben or Torrent Craig, Tory Lanes, Craigslist. People like Craigslist. Scory Tory, I kind of like that one. You still with your Chris Krangle or whatever? Chris Krangle, dude, that's awesome. The Carolina Craig, let's see the notorious Tory Craig. Uh, <laughs> at at Films Sports Music on Twitter said third leg Craig. Mm. I do like that one. That really like falls that in that line with Big Dick, Dick Book and 
big penis Paul. Uh, third leg Craig. That really comes in. I'm going to use that go. one again. That's the winner. Uh, Sun Solar Panel said cash money because that's all he's been since we got him for the cash considerations. I like that one. Uh, you have the Debo Crusher. That is a mm -hmm. nod to Friday and Craig. Uh, Torque Craig. I like that as well. Here's the one that I came up with. This is the one that I like the best, okay? And Matthew, I'm going to ask you something. I know that you haven't seen it because you haven't seen anything. Um, but Tory Craig brings the juice. That's the way I, I look at it. You know, he comes in and he's got that extra energy. He's almost like that, that Chris Paul's secret liquid or whatever it's called that he drinks on the sideline. If you can personify that, that is him. Have you ever seen the movie Juice? Um, Nope. With Tupac Maybe. Shakur and Omar Maybe Epps. I have. Maybe I no, I haven't. Maybe okay, a long I, time ago when I, I was did, 12. I didn't I didn't figure. Yeah, you probably didn't watch it when you were 12. This movie is uh but but this is a scene from Juice in which Tupac Shakur, who plays uh Bishop in the movie, you know, says what's up to uh um to Omar Epps character. And this <laughs> is how I picture like whenever Tory Craig comes in the game and the defenders look at him, they kind of look up and see who it is. This is what they see. Sorry for those of you who are listening, not watching. Hmm. <laughs> that's him coming in game. I knew that was from that movie. I don't know if I see the full movie. He's though. he's the juice, man. In my yeah. in my opinion, he is the juice. So All right. uh, that's what I'm giving it to him. I see some people they're okay with it. They're okay with it. No yeah, one said anything about the crangle. The juicer, dude. the juicer. No one's saying the crangle. It's because they can't I don't know say why it. No one likes that one. It's it's just it's tough. But you know, Tory Craig <laughs> has just been a fantastic addition to this team. I love how he played defense tonight. I love his active hands. You look at his total or uh, his line on the end of the night, you know, only four points. And again, it feels like he had 12, uh, but mm -hmm. seven rebounds, three assists, one block, uh, two for four from the field. And I just, I think that he is really somebody who is going to be absolutely huge. And he might start to take some of those Dario minutes come playoff time because he could play bigger than he is. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think so too. And tonight, did he have a Jordan layup where he was going to go for the layup and then switch it like to the underhand? He did. <laughs> that was, was pretty in awesome. there. He's like, uh, yeah, he just he surprises you more and more, dude. And his defense on Embiid was very, very good. I just think his minutes, like right now, they're kind of dead even with Sarich. So they'll probably keep going up a little bit more and more. And the Sarch will probably head down to 15. I still think he got a few more games to give Star Sarch a little bit of a restart, I guess, something to get him going. But right now, Craig, he's earning it. Those rebounds are vicious, dude. He has he will go up and seriously like sacrifice his body on the fall just to grab the ball. Like he has like he doesn't even think about his body and how much it's going to hurt after he hits the ground because he wants to grab the ball, dude. And he usually does. He's always a stronger man in those situations. I haven't seen him where he's trying to take it away where he doesn't get the ball. So uh, just kudos to him, man. He's honestly just sacrificing a lot out there, dude. He's putting it all on the line. I mean, that's very cheesy to say, but he really is every time he's on the floor. Yeah, he's somebody, again, who's just that he fits that culture that the Suns have developed, that hustle and that defensive culture. I mean, that's Torrey Craig personified. Watch 2021. So DeAndre Aiden has to go in his second game of, you know, in a row, he's going against an MVP caliber center. And that's what the Eastern Conference is full of. You know, you, you come out to the West, other than Rudy Gobert, who's not an MVP, but he's a defensive player of the year caliber center. You don't have a lot of centers who are really going to try to shut you down and challenge you. You have Jokic, obviously, uh, who's somebody who DeAndre Ayton plays up to. And I wouldn't even call Anthony Davis a center. He's a power forward and plays the power forward for the Los Angeles Lakers. So yeah. going back-to-back -back games, knowing that he had an unbelievably uh, remarkable and and 
you know, memorable uh, game against Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks relative to his defense. How did you think he looked tonight against Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers? I think he looked good. I think maybe in the beginning he looked a little bit tired. He, you can see on his face, he's kind of seemed like he's like, oh crap, like this is gonna suck. But then after the first time out, like the rest of the group, he came back out, played with a lot more effort. Defensively, it's really fun to watch him because in the last five to six minutes of any game, he is just like he's so dominant down there by just sticking his hands up, and he mm-hmm. does that so well against Embiid. Anybody driving to the lane to where it's like six or five minutes left in the game, he's almost impossible to drive against. And that's what I love to watch. So it wasn't too much tonight about how can he just outdo Embiid. It's just basically how can he help the team, and that's what he's always done this season towards late towards like the last two weeks to a month. That's the way he's been. So the game's coming to him. It was tonight. He didn't show a lack of interest at all. He was really trying his best out there. That's all you can ask, really. I didn't even look at the box score till right now because I just I knew that it wasn't going to be that great. But yep. it doesn't matter because he he did just enough to where he helped us win, seal the victory, and then also he didn't make any huge mistakes out there. And I feel like they're starting to trust him more and more. Devin Booker had a great alley oop over Embiid that one time, but that just shows like um, that shows that Aiden is he'll be ready for those. Like he's not hesitant and scared of it. So if you lob it up there, he'll still go after it. Like before, maybe he would grab that and pull it back in and just take it down and get the ball stolen away, but he will go after it. So when he's ready and when the team's ready, he'll basically, everyone will be ready. That was the stupidest thing I've ever just said. But basically, <laughs> I love this game from, even though the stats weren't there, dude, Aiden, I think, killed it tonight. Yeah, this wasn't a box score game for DeAndre Ayton. This isn't one not. where you, you know, if, if you are somebody who didn't have an opportunity to watch this game and you pull out the newspaper and you put on your glasses and you're looking up the box score, you're going to be like, oh, man, DA got owned, man. Because you look at Joel Embiid and Embiid ended with 38 points and 17 fucking rebounds. Like, holy Easy shit, stuff. you know? But DeAndre Ayton played big. Mm-hmm. What he had to do in this game, he anchored that defense. He made it hard for Joel Embiid. And granted, up until the point in which Joel Embiid got uh, that and one called for him, until he got called for the tech, in all, answer, in all honesty. Yeah. You know, he had a technical foul called after he created contact with DA and he was doing that all night. He was creating contact. He was kind of skipping his feet and pushing people because he's that big. He's so hard to call. It's just like Shaq. When you watch him, he's a very hard individual to call. But once you saw that technical foul, you knew that it was going to sway because what that means is he's going to get it away with whatever he wants for the rest of the game. Cause they're not throwing him out of the game, right? This mm-hmm. isn't, this isn't Justin Van Dyne and, you know, throwing Booker out of the game against the Lakers. They're not going to throw Joel Embiid out. So on cue, the next play, he rams into Dario, gets a foul call. He's doing all the offhand pushing stuff, you know, and this guy doesn't need yeah. help from the refs. But DeAndre Ayton did what he could to, to be pesterful, if you will, to him. Uh, he ended with a total of 14 for 23 shooting. So, you know, got him to the free throw line. But I think that DA, he, he plays big in the fourth. And I looked this up, and I actually tweeted out, and as I look at the, the stat a little bit more, I was actually wrong on what I said. I said in my tweet that DeAndre Ayton, in clutch games, is the number four overall offensive rebounder in the league. But then I look at the three guys ahead of him, and all of them have played in one game <laughs> so of, of clutch time. You know, DeAndre Ayton has played in 29 clutch time games up into this game. And he leads the league in offensive rebounds in clutch time with .08. It's not, you know, he he gets massive, massive rebounds. There was an offensive rebound he had in this game just under five minutes that kicked the ball back out that allowed the Suns to 
to burn some more time off the the clock. And and Eddie Johnson was mentioning on the pot or on the on the broadcast. He's like, listen, you you have to build a lead against these guys. It's just like when you play Denver, you have to build a lead because you know the last five minutes it's Embiid time. You know when they're playing Denver, it's Jokic time. And because of that offensive rebound, that's an extra possession that was needed to get this victory. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And honestly, um, they have knocked down three-point shooters, just like a lot of teams will in the playoffs. Yep. And it, it, if you keep hearing the media and they t- keep talking about the Suns, like, oh, we don't know if we trust them and all that. And it makes sense because Chris Paul had to step up tonight, Booker and Aiden. Of course, they had solid games. They just had to play against a really good defensive team, a good defensive team. So you'll see that a lot now to where I think Chris Paul's going to take over and this team will begin to learn because even though Booker is in his sixth season, he is is it his six right i always get that confused with seven but it's six mm-hmm. six season i just think that the next step of course for him and Aiden are just to be more valuable maybe in the box score and that's what people are going to look at but i just i don't really care too much just because this team is full of people that do you hear the horns in the back sorry there's people driving by with a bunch of horns okay i don't yeah there's there's just a thing that the, the media is going to watch, and it's whether or not the box scores show, hey, did Booker have 25-plus points? Did Aiden have his 20 and 10? It's like right now we have a leader in Chris Paul and the rest of the team together that make up that indifference between Booker and Aiden in the box score. And that's why I think a lot of people watch this team that don't even really watch, and they're just like, yeah, they're not putting up stats in these games, so who knows what they're going to do in the playoffs. But it's not even that. If you really watch the games – they're getting better. They're getting more into these situations against these tough teams, and they're learning from it. And you can see them learn, especially Booker hitting the game winner, dude, after that terrible, not terrible game, but hard game he had to play against mm-hmm. Thibel. Yeah, that that opportunity when he had to hit that bank shot to essentially seal the game, kudos to him. And, you know, again, they're not putting up the stats necessarily, but they're putting up the most important stats. And that is W's. And that's something we haven't seen here a long, long time in the desert. Uh, Last thing I want to talk about in this game before we preview tomorrow's game against the Boston Celtics is just Cam Johnson and uh, Mikhail Bridges. You know, this combo, when they play well, the Suns are going to play well. And that's really how the the beginning of the season began. And, you know, Jay Crowder did tweak his ankle on a play that he was called for a travel. He played a total of 13 minutes. In those 13 minutes, he's one for seven from the field and had three points. So Cam Johnson ended up playing 30 minutes in this game, had 15 points. You had Mikael Bridges had 18 points. And when both of those guys are on, this team becomes becomes so dangerous because we know we're going to get, especially from Mikael, some good defensive play. And we talked about one of the things that I admire about the 76ers is their wing play because they have really solid wings relative to defense, as do the Suns. But when, when Cam Johnson's stroking the three when Mikhail Bridges hitting that corner pocket three couple that with active hands stealing the ball getting blocks I mean Mikhail Bridges had two steals and two blocks in this game I mean when those two are on this team is really hard to beat man they are they are and honestly Cam Johnson some guy that we thought maybe that might take over that starting four role so right now if Jay Crowder does miss some time just some rest you know if it's if it's just a tweak just rest him a couple games Cam Johnson will probably get the start and he might be able to take over that position I mean that's just that's just a prediction I might have going to the playoffs I mean they keep switching out Crowder for other guys so obviously they might see something else that we're not seeing to where they want to fill that void cuz Cam Johnson at the end of games remember in the beginning of the season he was playing a lot him and Mikel were playing oh, the yeah. wing positions. So now it's like the opportunity. Does Cam Johnson take you over? Because he's doing a lot around the rim. He's doing a lot more than just shooting the three. And even though he's missing the threes sometimes, what was he, three for nine tonight? He honestly, mm-hmm. he will be the guy that is just very confident now just shooting it. Because that's, that's the way he looks, right? The way he's just throwing them up there, very, very confident. But he's doing a lot more around the rim. 
But I think he knows, too, he has a chance to be that number four guy or the fourth spot in this lineup. And that's an opportunity he can really seize, I think, in his next couple games. If he's starting, I'm pretty sure he'll start. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if Cam Johnson gets the start or maybe Tory Craig will. Who knows? But I do like seeing Cam Johnson out there with Mikhail Bridges. It's something we don't see too often. Uh, They've played together in a total of 49 games this season, 10.6 minutes per game, 24.8 points per game from them when they're on the court together. So they're definitely a combo that when they're there defensively and offensively, they feed off of each other. And Mikhail Bridges, you know, he continues to be just – you know, he, he was creating problems in this game. You know, he was a fast break master and he was enjoying his return to his hometown. You know, 18 points for Mikhail. It was really fun to see. Yeah, these are silent games for him where he's putting up some big stats and hitting some big shots for us. Honestly, that's the one thing I'd love to see him just catching the ball in the crowd because he's just so good at it, dude. It sticks to his hands. It really does. On fast breaks, he's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And he's he stuck out the arm after the one layup. It was like a, a wraparound layup. I don't know if that was like the arm of the law or whatever he was trying to do, but that was pretty badass because he knows how long he is and he just knows his ability now. So that's fun to watch. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, this is a reminder. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button and subscribe. Okay? Do this that favor. And if you're watching along, let us know who your jam star of the game is. Matthew, I will go first on this one because you generally go first. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give the jam star of the game to CP3. I think that's pretty easy in this one considering he is uh, just was in control when the Suns needed to be in control. You know, this is one of those nights where Devin Booker was locked up. You know, he did end with 19 points, but he was six for 14 shooting. And I mentioned it on the last podcast, efficient Booker has really been non-existent for about the past two and a half weeks now. And in a game like this where Chris Paul sees that his all-star compadre isn't having the ability to just simply get the shot off. I mean, Matisse Thibel ends ends the game with three blocks and they were fantastic blocks. So what does CP3 do? He's like, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to start carving. And that's exactly what he did. And for that reason, he gets my jam star of the game. Yeah, I mean, Booker's not really efficient, but in a way, he kind of is just because he is trying to share the ball when he is having a hard time with Thibault. I know that was like three blocks against him, and it sucks for Booker to have that blocked in your face so many times, but I think he learned his lesson after the third time. But he mainly was trying to share the ball, not really seven assists for him too, which was really great for him. Because usually, I mean, if he's so inefficient and stuff, he'd be like six for 24. He'd keep jacking them up there, trying to go at the game. He's like, you know, I'm really good at the, against the Sixers. So why am I not scoring the ball? Well, he doesn't have to. He just moves the ball around. So I like that from Booker tonight. I really did. But yeah, Chris Paul is definitely the jam star of the game. And honestly, you can make, uh, I don't know, dude, a lot of these guys, I just, I think even Devin Booker for just sharing the ball, not jacking up a bunch of shots. That's well, but as everyone, as everyone says in the chat, you know, Booker showed up late. And that was, mm-hmm. was what was huge. Yes. You know, when it was clutch at the end, that's when he showed up and that's what you need him to do. So, uh, and we did get a little love for C4. So it was a lot of the guards tonight were the jam stars of the game uh, for the Phoenix Suns. So now we move on. You know, we, we put this one in the rear view again, as uh, one of our elite jamsters said earlier, that you can't spell Philadelphia without two L's. That's great. Put them in the rear view. It's now time to look for forward towards tomorrow. Guess what? and on this one you actually said the 76ers were going to win i said the sun so i've caught up by one game you're now 30 and 12 i'm 25 and 17 and tomorrow we play the boston celtics matthew do you think that devin booker was saving off his scoring because he is excited 
to make that trip to Boston and play tomorrow against the Celtics at TD Garden, and that's where he's going to do all of his scoring. Oh, yeah, for sure. I honestly think that Booker knows that those fans love him in Boston. I don't know if they have fans allowed in the, in the stands right now, but he knows the Philly fans hate him, hate his guts, but those Boston Celtics fans respect him. So maybe he's saving it, but I doubt that, dude. Honestly, I think he'll have a great game. There's not really anybody that can lock him up. Maybe Marcus Smart, someone like that. But Booker will have a good game. You don't see him have really bounce back games too much i mean when he goes through droughts it takes a little bit maybe to get back into sync but i think this will be a big bounce back game for him dude i think offensively of course the celtics are fantastic defensively not the best marcus smart if he's healthy i believe he's healthy going into this game we'll probably try to cover up booker well it's going to be interesting because this is a team that has been really hot as of uh as of late i think their last mm-hmm. 10 games they're eight and two or they're seven eight and three and yeah uh, jalen brown is day-to-day with a shoulder he's doubtful for tomorrow's game against phoenix evan, evan fournier is out uh with health and safety protocols jason Ugh. tatum is questionable for tomorrow's game kemba walker is probable for tomorrow's game yeah, and right. robert williams is out so it's going to be another game in which we are not getting the full brunt of the Boston Celtics. And again, I'm okay with it, man. If the Suns can, I mean, you still have to play that team. And we've seen it. Uh, who was the last team that we lost to? The Spurs. Spurs had a bunch of people who weren't you know, out there. And guess what happened? Everybody's an NBA player. This is their opportunity to come yeah. out and show you like, hey, we're members of the NBA too. We have skills. There's a reason why we're in this league. And they're, the Suns are going to take the best punch from every team every night. So it'll be interesting to see who actually does suit up tomorrow. But that being said, I do believe that the Suns are going to win this game. Um, the matchup to watch, I honestly don't know who go to watch because I don't know who the hell is going to be playing. But Matthew, who do you think wins this game? Oh, I think the Suns win for sure. But Mikel versus Tatum is always fun to watch. If very, Tatum's very- playing, it'd be really fun to watch that mm-hmm. matchup because I am one of the people who is not a big Tatum fan. Uh, just because I he's been playing that. a lot better though too. I he, know he like has. we, we kind of don't like him, but he, him, and Jalen Brown just. Jalen Brown, I really like unstoppable. Jalen Brown Brown is just he's a different man, dude, than Jason Tatum, I think. He is, and he's got that sick mid-range game, which I love because I'm a Devin Booker fan. So anyone who's got a mid-range game, I have respect for. So we'll see how that game goes. Obviously, you can join us live right after that game, right here on the Suns Jam Sesh Podcast. Thoughts. Um brains? So the Our Thoughts segment, which we like to talk about things going on in the NBA that might affect the Suns or might not. Uh, I saw that Denny Advia, Advia from the Washington Wizards. He has a hairline fracture. Um, somebody mentioned earlier that Trey Young was injured in the game tonight. If anybody has any more uh, news than that, please let us know in the chat if you can. Um, but do you credit the multiple injuries to the shortened and fast-paced way that this season is happening? You know, it's difficult to say. I honestly, of course, because I don't play basketball, so I don't know the wear and tear. But yeah, if you ask any fan, it's like you need to rest these bodies. They honestly are having a hard time recuperating, especially after the bubble. A lot of these teams right now losing players were deep into the playoffs. Uh, I know Trey Young wasn't, of course, with Atlanta Hawks, but if that's anything serious, then of course it's the season. So it's just so weird with the NBA right now. It's like, what do you want to do? Do you want them to play a lot of games or do you want them to play this season? Of course they're going to play this season, but then how are they going to do it? They jumble them all together in a short period of time. Then everyone complains, but then the NBA, everyone complains about everything. So I don't know what's right, what's wrong here really, but with the NBA getting a lot of injuries right now, especially heading into the playoffs and maybe they're not real injuries. Like I brought up earlier, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe everyone will be ready to go for the playoffs 
but I think it has a lot to do with the season. I think the reason a lot of these players are actually staying out too is because of how many back-to-backs they have, how many off days they don't have. So they're going to stay out of these games. And I don't blame them either. But yeah, I can put some blame on it, but I just don't know how much. And I don't know if it's so much to where you can start complaining about the season and the play-in tournament and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like every season there's a ton of injuries. And this is normally the case that's made during the 82-game season where they're like, see, we need less games. Guys are getting injured. Now, granted, there's less games this year, but it's compressed, so you're having a ton more back-to-backs, a yeah. lot more three games and four nights and things of that nature. But you go through and you look at some of the injuries. You look at uh, LeBron James. I mean, that's just kind of a freak injury, okay? The way that the guy came down on his ankle uh, is conducive. You know, when, when your ankle bends in, it's a roll. When it bends out, it's a high ankle sprain. And that's what happened to LeBron and why he's been out. And we don't know how healthy he's been this whole time because he's probably – he's just – he's buying his time, okay? This guy is – you know, is what, like 75th year in the NBA? Like, he's waiting for the playoffs. He knows when it matters. He's like, I did my job. I need to get my team to the playoffs. They're going to be in the playoffs from there. I'm going to rest, and now you know it's go time. You look at uh, Jamal Murray. That one was really a bad one, and that one that I, I is is a, an injury that I'll credit to fatigue because Jamal Murray's the kind of player who shares that same dangerous at times gene that Chris Paul has. He's like, I'm playing all the time, all out, because that's the way that I'm built. I am a competitor. And when you have a non-contact injury like Jamal Murray, yeah, I could I could say, okay, that might be the fatigue factor. That's too many games and too many nights. That's the Nuggets not giving him an opportunity to rest. That's one thing that kind of scares me with the Suns. You know, we don't rest anybody ever. And we have a other than Jay Crowder going out today and Abdel Nader being out for, you know, the past three weeks, we have a really healthy squad, you know, knock on wood. Uh, but I think that there's gonna be at some point here in these last 15 to 14 games that the Suns are going to have to start sitting a few of these guys, giving them some rest. I think though, holistically across the league, I don't believe that it's the schedule that's creating a lot of these injuries because again, this happens every, it's the same thing with football. Every time a guy gets injured in football, uh, they're all, you know, the, it's, it's the preseason, the, the lack of a preseason. There's too much preseason. There's not enough preseason. You know, it's just, unfortunately when you play sports, you get hurt. And generally, it's a, a knick-knack kind of injury. You know, Joel Embiid, he, when he hyperextended his leg, it's not because they're playing 30, you know, or, or 20 games in 30 nights. It's just he landed wrong. I mean, that, that just kind of goes with the sport. It, it does. But honestly, it's like we just complain about everything. Like, no matter how the season goes, if we play 50 games and the players are happy, then the fans are unhappy. If we play 60 games, players are happy. Fans are unhappy. Everyone's unhappy. Now you're talking about the play-in tournament too, which is different, but everyone's now upset about it. Like everyone, a lot of people are like, if this sucks, we're going to be out of the, out no, of the, that's Luka just, Luka, Luka's crying about it. So like just it, go it's win, natural. You have to win one yeah. game, man. I'm sorry if you're so, sorry, but I have to get this out. When I watch Luca, he looks like uh, a, like a baby that just got out of the high chair. Like just, he didn't get wiped off from eating spaghetti, just running around on the ground. I just had to get that up because it just makes me so pissed off. And I know Mark Cuban tried to take some of the, some of that blame away from Luca just because he did complain. But I hate the players that do that. It's just like all you have to do is go win one game. And if yeah. the Sun made the play in tournament, we'd be so happy for that game. You know what or I mean? be better than that and get the sixth seed, and you don't exactly. worry about it there. Lose you know? some freaking weight. I love. <laughs> I love so that bad. on one of the last Bill Simmons podcasts where he had Ryan Rosillo on. How Ryan Rosillo was kind of railing on Luke on how much he bitches and moan, and I'm glad that that national narrative is finally coming around Thank to reality. You. you know, there's been a long time where the national narrative is, you know, this guy is amazing, triple doubles. They look at the stats. 
he's one of those poster boys for the NBA. Yes, as Jen Sam says in the chat, Mavs are not fun to watch, and that's because Luka plays all that iso ball. He's he's crying, he's he's pissing and moaning. But the NBA wants to have that star to uh, to promote and and to you know have players and, and or I'm sorry fans have some sort of relation to so they pump them up and you hear it all the time and we talk about it all the time you know the Suns will beat the, the snot out of them and they'll talk about how Luca hit a three with like three minutes left They're like look he had a 40 footer Suns win by eight you know it's just yeah that's the national narrative but you're starting to see a lot of the national pundits come around and, and they watch his game like dude this guy cries after every play it's not just a, a play in which you know, he, he missed a shot. He'll have mm-hmm. makes and he thinks he's fouled. And it's just, it's bad for the NBA. Yeah. I don't know how we went down this tangent, but and I don't know how he doesn't lose weight, but um, honestly, <laughs> I was going to ask you too. Do you think the Suns should, they should rest? I mean, they have some games. Um, The little thing I'm going to release the little piece I'm going to release is just like, there are some games in there where you can rest some guys. And I think if Suns are in control, of that second seed, how much do they want the first seed? How much does it matter for this franchise? Basically yep. just uh, some rest will help. You know, I'm usually against, I'm sure Chris Paul's against it, but this season, I feel like you have the exception to where you can rest some players and get away with it without any complaining or worry about the fans being upset. I think there's strategic ways to do it while still starting guys. And I think that Monty Williams has proven that with the sun so far this year and the way that he's approached the Chris Paul minutes because Chris Paul for the first time in his career is going to play over 20 games in a season where he's played under 30 minutes in a game. And that's because the way that Monty has staggered his minutes uh, and you look at it in those games, I think the Suns currently he's played what 20, They've played 19 games in which Chris Paul has played 30 minutes or less. The Suns are 17 and two in those games. So he's setting them up for success. And I think that's the way to do it. I don't think you have to go about because you have the moments like tonight where Chris Paul was having an on court coaching moment with that team. That's so valuable. Yeah. with this young team. So I don't think you have to go, Oh, Chris Paul's just out tonight for load management. I think it's Chris Paul starting. And then we're just going to play the shit out of Javon Carter. Expect some each more, expect some Langston Galloway, some more campaign. And then if, if the Suns lose the game or it's getting close to the end of the game and they could be lost, if they deem it as a victory that is vital to their seating in the playoffs, Chris Paul will come back in. if it's, you know, within reason, if not, he's, he's keeping that, that flow going. I think that's very important for this team. Oh yeah, for sure. I was going to say that too. You can maybe even start him or just have him on the bench and not start exactly. just in warm up clothes, you know, out there. He'll be out there coaching even if he's in sweats. Yeah, no no civvies, no civilian. Yeah, clothes. he'll be the sixth man on the court. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I think on that note we're going to wrap up this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. So, thank you to everybody who decided to join us live. And if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Pod the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, thank you for doing that as well. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and go ahead and smash that like button. It helps with algorithms or so i'm told uh you can become an elite jamster by clicking the join button we have two new elite jamsters who join us during this pod so welcome aboard we appreciate it make sure you subscribe rate review via the bright side of the sun podcast network and if you leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts, we'll read it right here on the pod uh we will be back here live after the boston celtics game about 6 30 tomorrow so until then jamsters uh thank you for joining us be safe and have a great night Yeah, everyone go home and love your family. Cheers!